sometimes we ask ourselves, how can we worship the Lord when there's a war that just broke out with Russia and the Ukraine? But there's always a good time to worship because worship is grounding and worship is comforting. And whatever is going on with Russia and Ukraine, it's a global experience. It's not localized to just that part of the world. So I, I'm going to invite you to pray with me now that the Lord may show up and bring peace. Father, I thank you so much that before I teach, I ask that you would just visit all the decision makers, the global leaders in areas of government that have influence with Russia and Ukraine so that we can see peace take place between not only these nations but every influencer to these nations. I pray for your divine strategy to envelop all of the global leaders, dear Lord, that there may be peace, peace. Thank you for protecting people. Thank you for protecting our future. Thank you that you'll disarm all those decision makers that may try to create the cyber war. I thank you in Christ's name. And as I teach, let the word come alive. Amen. I have been in a four-week series on the generosity journey. I'd like to take a topic now and move in the direction of the question of leaving a legacy. Do you have a legacy that you want to leave, in essence? One of the things we've discovered already from Scripture and be reminded of is the fact that we serve a God who is the consummate, generous being. It's God's generosity that helps us to know how to live and love and experience the great salvation established through Jesus. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, reminds us of how our generosity is not only for us, but it has generational implications. Psalm 37, verse 25, David says, I was young, and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Did you know that based on your lifestyle of generosity, that you're actually sowing into your children's future. As you treat others with generous kindness, generous forgiveness, generous mercy, your children will be the recipients of a legacy of generosity that you've left by your actions. So I want you to know your generosity today has transgenerational implications for tomorrow. What we realize in the definition of legacy, I love what Dr. Leonard Sweet said, what you do is your history. What you set in motion is your legacy. See, legacy is something that you consciously or unconsciously set into motion. In other words, it moves beyond your life. It moves beyond your being alive. Proverbs 13.22 calls us to think legacy. Here's what, the, here's what Solomon said. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. So what we read from Scripture is this. We have to think not only your life, 
not only the life of your children, but the life of your grandchildren. In other words, even if you don't have children, or even if you don't have grandchildren, the Bible is calling you and me, us, to think and act and behave in a transgenerational way. In other words, God is saying to each of us, it's biblical, it's godly to leave a legacy. And that's what Proverbs 13.22 lays out for us a framework as to how we should think philosophically. I want to then pose a question to you as we unpack this idea of leaving a legacy. So the sermon must be able to help you and give you tools. And so here's my question to you. What are you thinking? In other words, what's the idea that you are mulling over in your mind that helps you to intentionally develop a framework where you can say, I'm leaving a legacy behind me. I want to take you back to Proverbs 13.22 and look at it this time through the lens of the contemporary English version of the Bible. The Bible says, if you obey God, you will have something to leave your grandchildren. If you don't obey God, those who live right will get what you leave. Scripture hinges our ability to leave a legacy behind on our obedience to God. In essence, God is saying that everybody, no matter how wealthy, no matter how poor, no matter how well-off, no matter how meager your subsistence is, God says, I call everyone into the place where you can leave a legacy behind you and it's predicated upon you being obedient. I never had an opportunity to meet my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, nor have I ever met my maternal grandfather. He passed away before I was ever born. My paternal grandfather, I never had a conversation with him. I only met him once on his deathbed. I was 12 years old, having migrated to America when I was eight. At 12, I went back to Jamaica, the country of my birth. And there are four Ireland kids. So my father took us back to the homeland, so to speak, because his father was passing away. He had, had a stroke, several strokes. Now he's laying on his bed, paralyzed, and he couldn't speak. So I remember I was so timid to, I've never seen someone dying before. I'd never seen someone so close to death. It was, you understand the mind of a 12-year-old. It was so foreign to me. And I remember walking into his bedroom. There was a nurse standing on the right side. And so I just stood as close to the door as possible. I remember my father's hand, it seemed so large to me at that time. It just, he put it in the center of my back and pushed me in. And so I went into the room. And I'm standing there. I, I didn't have feelings of like I'm losing something or someone because I never really knew him. And with his arm that had mobility, he pointed to a dresser drawer or a chest, a chest, and on top of it were four Bibles. The nurse went over to the, to the chest and picked each of the Bibles, because there are four of us Ireland kids, and each of us went close to our grandfather, and he handed us 
a Bible. Now, I wasn't a believer in Jesus, and I opened up the front you know, cover and saw in it said, to grandfather, or to David from grandfather. So that's nice. I remember flying back home to the States, to New York, and I put it in one of my dresser drawers. I didn't read it. I didn't believe in God, didn't know about the Bible. I had no conscious awareness of God. But it wasn't until I came to Christ, July 6, 1982 at 10 p.m. I was 20 years old at the time, so eight years later, when I went home from college and I went into that dresser drawer and rummaged through it and found that Bible, and all of a sudden it had meaning to me. This was the legacy that my grandfather left for me. It was no money, no houses, no land, but he left a legacy to say, I can't tell you verbally, but I can tell you gesturally, let the Bible be your guide to life. So I want you to see that the question I have put to you is this, what are you thinking? A lot of people struggle with the idea that you'll say, I, 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 don't, have any, I don't have anything to leave anybody. What, what, are you, what are you asking of me? But I want to challenge you today because I know that you, some of you may be thinking that. What do I have to offer coming generations? And there are lots of common myths surrounding legacy that I want to take a moment to help you shatter and destroy them because they should not build and grow and develop and have anchors in your heart because if they do, they'll somehow get in the way of you being able to leave a legacy for your heirs and your descendants. Here's one of the common myths. You have to be rich to leave a legacy. That's a myth. That's not true. In fact, our society is so cynical and jaded having that misnomer. I read on one bumper of a car, bumper sticker that says, I'm spending my kids' inheritance. And there's a smiley face next to it. So we're, we're sarcastic and cynical. But being rich, it's a myth. Also, another common myth is that you have to be famous to leave a legacy. That's not true. That's also a myth. And you just have to be conscious of others. You don't have to be famous. You just have to be thinking about someone else other than yourself. Here's a third common myth. You have to be perfect to leave a legacy. Not true. In other words, you have to be squeaky clean. Your life must be squeaky clean. You have to have an untarnished reputation. That too is a myth. Let me jog your memory. Do you remember Chuck Colson? I know some of you may say, I don't even know who Chuck Colson was. I wasn't alive back then. But he's the infamous attorney that was complicit in helping President Richard Nixon commit the Watergate scandal that led to Nixon's departure from the office. Well, back in 1974, Chuck Colson was arrested for obstruction of justice, and he had to serve seven months in prison. It was unique, though, because months before his incarceration, he came to know Christ as Savior. His life was disrupted, transformed, and then he went to prison. There was a radical shift in Chuck Colson because when he came out of prison, you know, in his transformation of being a believer in Jesus and growing as a disciple, out of that came, he became the founder of this most famous of parachurch organizations, Prison Fellowship, and then Prison International Fellowship. 
And then he also became one that was the founder of the Colson Center to help Christians have a worldview that was Christocentric or Christ-centered. He's written over 30 books. In other words, he was not perfect. He had a tarnished reputation, but God was still able to use him. And I want to encourage you, don't let the myth of being perfect hold you back from having a legacy for your heirs and descendants that will follow you. It is a myth that you have to be perfect. What we also realize that another myth is that you have to be proud. You know, someone who's self-centered, egotistical. That's a misnomer. That's a myth. You don't need that myth in order to be able to, or I should say, you don't, that's as a myth. You don't need to have that perspective. See, legacy is not for proud people. Legacy is for generous people. Legacy has nothing to do with you. I should say it has little to do with you. Legacy, legacy has more to do with others, those who will follow you. I want you to see that's why Maya Angelou, she said this. If you're going to live, leave a legacy. Make a mark on the world that can't be erased. So I want you to understand today that when you think about leaving a legacy, you start with the question, what are you thinking? Then you move to this question, what are you doing? In other words, what are you doing about building a legacy? What are you doing about building something that others would want and cherish? Here's what Paul told his spiritual son Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. You should teach people whom you can trust the things you and many others have heard me say. Then they'll be able to teach others. Paul was helping Timothy understand legacy is not about tangible things alone. Money, land, and other physical resources. Legacy includes intangible assets. And Paul was leaving an intangible asset with Timothy. And he was leaving with Timothy the truth of the gospel. So Paul was telling Timothy, in essence, Timothy, I'm entrusting this to you. I'm depositing to you, Timothy, this particular commodity, this valuable, valuable item, this intangible asset of the truth of the gospel. All of the fasting that I had to go through, all the trials I endured, all the testings I, I underwent, all of the challenges I experienced, all of that helped me to get a revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, you're, that the just shall be saved by faith. It's not by works. And other revelations that Paul was able to hammer out through experience and prayer. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, can I entrust this to you? And can you likewise entrust it to reliable people? Here Paul is helping us understand that he was carefully depositing to Timothy an intangible asset of the truth of the gospel. Timothy was to live in light of what Paul had worked hard to get a handle on and that revelation of who Jesus was and how Jesus wants to work in society today. Paul passed that on to Timothy. So what was that going to do? Because that was part of Paul's legacy. Legacy is something that you set in motion for future. Legacy is some asset you pass down to make someone else's life 
easier or to have, help them have a better starting point than what you had. And so Paul was saying to Timothy, Timothy, I'm giving you this body of truth, this revelation about Jesus, this revelation about the church, this revelation about how to reach people. I'm passing that on to you and I'm setting you up so it's going to help you start your leadership process and help you develop your leadership quotient where you have a better starting point. You're able to move farther along than others. It's something that you must realize. See, legacy is not only about stuff in terms of houses and cars and lands. Now, I'm not refusing that and money in order to be able to perpetuate the work of the gospel. Legacy is about intangible things so that you can be able to move farther along than you've ever done without the input and the help and the assistance of others. I want you to see how critical it was. In the early days of our church, I saw that I was deficient in many things as a pastor. In many areas of my own formation and development, I needed, I didn't have a legacy in terms of spiritual development and spiritual training. No one took me under their wings and said, let me train you and let me mentor you. I didn't have that. And I remember in the early days of Christ Church, I was crying out to God. It was almost like a daily prayer. God, I need a spiritual father. I need someone that'll just input, put, put input in me and develop me and to come alongside and answer my tough questions and train me. And I would pray, God, give me, give me a spiritual father. And I remember after a couple of years of praying this prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and everything changed. The Holy Spirit said, David, stop asking for a father and be a father. Everything shifted. I want you to see that what God downloaded into me in terms of traits and practices and disciplines of a spiritual father, I can now pass on to the sons and daughters under my sphere of influence. I want you to see that is a legacy as well. Now, when you think about it, I have to ask you this question, because when it comes to legacy, I must ask you, what's important to you? What are the areas that you have mastered? Paul mastered this truth of the gospel. What mysteries have you unlocked? Don't, don't make light of it. It's not silly. It's not a simplistic question. The question is not intended to insult you. Paul passed on an intangible asset to Timothy of the truth of the gospel, and I'm merely asking, what's important to you? Because when you discover what's important to you, I must then ask you, will you pass it on? That is, will you pass it on to the next generation? Will you pass it on to those whom you influence? Will you treasure that? Will you value that in such a way that you've mastered it and you then pass it on and as, a, as an intangible asset and perhaps amidst your tangible assets, you pass that on also? I want you to think about that. So in considering leaving a legacy, you ask yourself the question, what are you thinking? And you ask yourself the question, what are you doing? And then you come to this third question, 
what are you going to leave? Remember, we're all working on our legacies. Whether you're conscious, consciously aware of it, or you're going on living your life without thinking about who's going to follow you. Whether you're consciously thinking about legacy, or it is an unconscious issue, not even on your mind, it's not on your radar, I want you to know that that action of being conscious or that lack of action of being unconscious, you're still creating a legacy. Let me show you how you can not only create tangible assets, but you can also create intangible assets so you can leave a legacy behind. I want to bring you back to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. He says to Timothy, You know that I've been called to serve the God of my fathers with a clean conscience. Night and day I pray constantly for you, building a memorial for you with my prayers. I know that you have wept for me, your spiritual father, and your tears are dear to me. I can't wait to see you again. I'm filled with joy as I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line. It began with your grandmother Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother Eunice. And it's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. Stop there. What a beautiful piece of scripture that Paul took time to say, and it's when you read what scholars say about this verse, it's interesting. One scholar pointed out the fact that it was by observation that Paul was reminded of Timothy's strong faith that he had inherited. It was this priceless, intangible asset handed down to him from his grandmother Lois to his mother Eunice, and now to him. Third generation passed down the issue of having a strong, abiding, powerful faith in God. What was going on for this to pass down? I want you to see that what I extract from verse 5 is this. There are times you're facing trials. I mean, you may have gone through a whole bunch of stuff. But if you are just in the privacy of your bedroom seeking God, never saying anything to your family, to your children, to your grandchildren about your crisis and how God brought you through, somehow they're observing from a distance, but they're not connecting the dots that it was through your faith and your prayers that God did what he did. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal says, one reason why prayer exists is that we can see the causality of God answering our cries. And I want you to see that if your family can't connect the dots, crisis in my life, praying to God, prayer caused God to provide answers in my life, I want you to see that you may not then be someone that is handing down this legacy of faith in God like Lois did to Eunice, like Eunice did to Timothy. Notice the text is silent about Timothy's father. In the book of Acts, we know that Timothy's dad was alive, but we realize that Timothy's dad did not have the kind of input in shaping 
Timothy's worldview when it comes to relationship with Jesus. Let it never be that case. Sir, never let spiritual development and formation of your children be left only to your wife or only to your mother or only to the women in your life. Take your place as a man of God and influence and shape your children and your grandchildren. Take them to church. Walk with them when you're walking in the park and playing. When you're driving in the car with them, tell them about the wonders of God, what the Lord did. Build a legacy so when you go into the life that is to follow, we all will, heaven or hell, and when you enter into heaven in the courts of of, of glory, your children will have something you've passed on to them, this intangible asset of a faith in God. Think about it. How much farther along would you be today if your predecessors and ancestors, that's what Paul pointed out, Paul gave kudos to his forefathers because his forefathers handed to him a God-fearing legacy, a God-consciousness. Think about how far along you'd be today, how much farther along you'd be today if if your foreparents handed down to you a trust and a faith in God. You would have had a better starting point. I know I would have had it, but I had to learn and discover because my grandfather left me a Bible. My father didn't understand. That wasn't his framework. In fact, I led my father to Christ when I started Christ's church back when I was 24 years of age. I want you to see that and I had a father that handed me faith by his life with God, I would have had a better starting point. Don't rob from your children and your, chil- and your grandchildren because of you not leaving them a legacy of faith. Now, Paul was telling us as well by this example that it's not just leaving a legacy of faith and telling family members what God has done and what God is doing. It's also making sure you can entrust it to them. It's reliable that, they're valid, that they hold it and cherish it. Many times you'll find families, family members, you can't even leave them money because they'll just waste the money. And if that's the case, you're struggling with that, say, man, my kids are not where they need to be. Hey, leave it to Christ's church. We'll do the right thing with it. We want to perpetu- you know, propagate the world with the gospel. We wanna, and so if you want to put Christ's church in your will, thank God for that because we're going to do the right thing with it and honor the Lord Jesus. But also, I will say to you in an unselfish and pastoral way that maybe you need to spend some time training your children so they can value money and understand it properly so when you leave them an inheritance, a tangible asset, they won't squander it because you worked hard to get where you are and you don't want to see them lose it because they don't have the same value towards tangible assets as you do. I love what Benjamin Franklin did. In fact, before his death in 1790, Benjamin Franklin left a gift of a thousand pounds of sterling, equal to 4,000 U.S. dollars at that time, he left that to two of his favorite cities, Boston and Philadelphia. And he stipulated in this will that, that a portion of the money can be loaned to students only in the first 100 years after his death, 
And that, that is just students who are young apprentices. And the reason why Franklin did that, Benjamin Franklin, that is, did that because he was given a loan by two benefactors. That's how he opened up his printing shop. And so it was important to him. So fast forward now. He passed in 1790. You know, and then in 1890, the first 100 years after, afterwards, the first part of the gift was given. And then the second part of the gift was only to be extracted at 200 years after his death. So in 1990, just a number of years ago, you know, the, the lump sum of $4,000 that amassed, it accrued and interest, it was now at this point equal to $7 million. And we find that Boston, as well as Philadelphia, they were able to take the monies and help now, since young apprentices for printing presses weren't, <laughs> that's not to where entrepreneurial things were, these cities applied funds to be able to help students going through medical school. And we find that Benjamin Franklin then, because of what he was able to do, pointing the gift to the future, he is a classic example of a Proverbs 13.22 guy. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And I want you to see that's the crux of what it means to go on a generosity journey. Generosity is not just about you. It's about others. May I encourage you today to be a part of this generosity journey and let generosity not just be an episodic experience in your life, but let it be something that shapes you so you can establish and leave a legacy of tangible assets and intangible assets so that tomorrow your heirs, your, you know, those who will follow after you will be much farther along when they start their race because of what you have done. Generosity is about loving and thinking about the future. May I pray with you today? Let's bow our hearts together. Father, thank you so much for the joy of ministering to each one of these men and women and young people. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will just affect change in their lives, that today will be a wake-up call, that we would live our lives with wisdom. We'll number our days so we can walk right with you and leave a legacy for those that follow after us. I ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. May I ask you this question? Have you given your heart to Jesus? If you've not, may I lead you in a right relationship with the Lord? He wants you to be a part of his family. Would you pray this prayer with me, please? Heavenly Father, I give myself to you as a gift today. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. I accept Jesus today as my Savior. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. Would you follow the prompting on the screen? And as you follow it, what that does, it helps us to help you anchor your decision to walk with Jesus. And so we'd love for you to grow in Christ. Help us to help you as you follow the link on the screen. Have a great week. God bless you.